Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Darcy Pico is a force to be reckoned with. She's an actress, an award-winning playwright, a screenwriter, a producer. There's a part of me that just wants to dispense with my introduction and get the conversation going because there's so much to talk about. I can't. So briefly. Darcy wrote the screenplay for Where is Kira, a movie starring Michelle Pfeiffer and Kiefer Sutherland. Pfeiffer plays a middle-aged woman who is just really trying to survive. The movie, which has gotten tremendous buzz, premiered at Sundance in 2017. Darcy is no stranger to Sundance. She participated in its feature film labs with her screenplay, Mother of George, and returned for the director and producing labs. Mother of George, named by the National Board of Review as one of the top 10 indie films of 2013, was also honored by the Women Film Critics Circle and the African American Film Critics Association. Darcy's entree into playwriting came with her one-woman show, My Virginia. It was presented in theaters and solo festivals around the country, broadcast on national public radio, and showcased on the BBC series Medicine at the Crossroads. Her other plays include Jason with a Y and Lil's 90th. Last but not least, Darcy teaches acting at New York University's Tisch School of the Arts. So, Darcy, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. I am thrilled. Thank you so much. And just as an aside... I graduated from NYU's you School of the Arts back in the day. Way, Way back, back in the, in the day. day. Wow, how great. <laughs> so yeah, there's our connection. Yes. All right. I always love to go back in time. I want to find out about your connection to theater. Where did this come from? You know, I grew up on a chicken farm in upstate New York. Seriously? In, yeah, in Ellenville, <laughs> New York. And it was me. My twin sister. Oh, mm-hmm. and the, the chickens. chickens. <laughs> because I, my brother and sister were much. My older brother and sister were much older. Mm-hmm. So basically, I would put plays on in the backyard. My famous story was deciding to do Peter Pan. Uh-huh. I played every role, <laughs> and I auditioned my sister, my twin, and the dog. For the dog. Okay, okay. The dog got the part. And your sister didn't make the cut? She did not make the cut. The oh. dog was better as the dog. <laughs> However, she did get cast in a small role in Fiddler on the Roof. I played also the fiddler, sat on the doghouse, and sang. And we would charge 25 cents. Mm-hmm. And, and who came besides the chickens? My father and my mother okay. and, like, our only neighbors. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and that was it. I loved reading, Mm -hmm. and I was really internal in many ways, and my expression was this. It was my safety. I also think that because as a little girl, I had battled some medical stuff, and this is even pre the genesis of my Virginia. Right. And I think that just being in a hospital when I was five, I was just like, my world just became my imagination. Mm-hmm. My my safety became the books I read. Yeah. And that became my outlet. Uh-huh. And that became my confidence. And that was my entree into creation. So you were comfortable with Darcy being alone with Darcy. Yes, I totally stole Nancy Drew and wrote my own version (laughs) of Nancy Drew that I thought was great, except it was exactly like what I read. (laughs) But, you know, that was my world. I Uh just would, I would just escape. And then when I was in my teens, I started to audition at my high school. I was going to ask, did you take that, no pun intended, act out on that when you were in school? And my school in Ellenville was literally like, you know, I think our class had like a hundred some odd 
graduates. It was mm-hmm. very, very small. And the theater department to me, which was also small, was my haven. And you know, I played everything from the in The Mad Woman of Chaillot, like a 90-year-old woman, to the maid in Ionesco's The Ball Soprano, and just did everything I could. We did summer theater, went to the universe, uh, State University of New York at Binghamton. Mm-hmm. Where you majored in theater, theater? And political science okay. and writing. And that became my world. Everything was about acting. Then I got into Trinity Square Regional Theater in Providence, Rhode Island, and did two years of conservatory there, worked there, and came to New York Studied with the great Geraldine Page mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the great, great Suzanne Shepard, who plays the mother in Where is Kira? Ah. And who was a teacher of mine and a director of mine at Trinity Square Regional Theater when I was studying in the conservatory. And I just, my entire world became acting. At that point in your head, your focus was to be on stage. Yes, on stage, I did a Law and Order. I did, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. any film, anything. So you were talent. You had talent, and you got jobs. I got yeah some, and then I went to Dallas, Texas, because I was offered something there. And like I thought, what? It was the Dallas <laughs> Theater Center had asked some New York actors to come down. Mm-hmm. I went down. Long story short, as I did, I think it was a Southwestern premiere of a John Patrick Shanley play, mm-hmm. and just you know had this amazing time. While I was there, I started to have the my second signs of effects from my exposure to a drug called DES. I guess we should stop at this point, and you should fill us in about this, because okay. that's the genesis for your one-woman show, yes. and it plays such a seminal role in your life. Yes. So talk about that. So my mom, like millions of other moms in the United States, was given a drug because she had had some miscarriages. And this drug was called DES or diethylsilvestrol. It was given in the 1940s, 50s, mm-hmm. 60s, into the 70s. When I was 12, I had surgery. Most of the effects uh, for young women are vaginal and gynecological. And you can imagine as a 12-year-old, having surgery in that area yeah. was just like no one knew because it was so humiliating. Was this also a medical issue for your sister? Not as that's a great question. Not as much and she's very private about it. Wow, but that's so interesting. Yes. You're twins. Yes. And what a crapshoot. So, I know. And so I ended up not telling really anyone about it and then When I was in Dallas, Texas, I had just finished this play, Savage and Limbo is what it's called, John Patrick Shanley's play, and I was having medical problems, and they thought that I had uh, precancerous cells, and I was fine, thank God, Mm -hmm. at the time. And you were how old? Late 20s. So then when I was in my in Dallas, I was like, I have to do something about this. Like, why is no one writing about <laughs> this? And I wanted to do, actually, at that time, a documentary. And I went to a conference of women who had gone through cancer at a very young age. I had not. But listening to their stories of what it meant for women in their 20s to have lost their vagina, to have their vaginas rebuilt, to have, like, who are you as a woman? And I was transfixed by it. And what happened is I came back to New York 
And I was determined to do a documentary. What year is this? This is in the 90s. Okay, okay. Can I just, before you parenthetically ask, did your mother have medical issues? No. Some mothers have breast cancer. Because I'm very well aware of DES, and I recall that the women who took the drug certainly suffered consequences as a result. Yes, breast cancer. But my mom did not have breast cancer. Okay, so back to you. So I came to New York, Mm -hmm. determined to do this documentary, and I actually got a job at the time, journalistically, fact-checking for Stephen Brill at American Lawyer Publication, just to know what it would mean to write journalistically. Mm -hmm. And And to make money. And to make money. And then, through a wild set of circumstances— I took this to Frontline and WGBH, mm-hmm. and they basically said, "This is a, you gathered great evidence. The problem is you are not outside of this. You're biased because you're a DES oh, mm-hmm, daughter, mm-hmm. and you have really no real experience. And they connected me with a woman. This is a wild story. Judith Helfand, who's a brilliant filmmaker, documentarian. And they said, you should meet this woman. She's a DES daughter as well, but she works with, she. we know her. Mm-hmm. So I met her and we talked. And the connection with Judith is that I gave her all the material I had. And she said, oh, you know, I um, was told by my doctor that there's nothing to worry about after the age of 25. And I said, I think... That's not accurate. And I sent her to my doctor, and lo and behold, she had cancer. Oh, jeez. And she created a documentary called A Healthy Baby Girl all about this. Mm. At the same time that was happening, Frontline then got into They were like, we should really do something. So they had a series at the time called The Health Quarterly that Peter Jennings and then Roger Mudd was part of. Mm-hmm. It was a 20-minute piece, mm-hmm. and they ended up doing it. I was a consultant on it, and I did that, and it ended up, from what I understand, Louise Slaughter, who recently passed away, but this congresswoman brought it to Congress, and it really created this awareness about women's health. And I thought, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. I have to write something else. And I called a friend of mine, and I said, would you please write a play? And they said, no. You have to write a play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay. And I sat down and wrote a one-woman show that I called My Virginia because that is what I used to call my nether region when I was little. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I told the story. I was in it. But it was really me playing many different people in my life. But most of it, the gut of it, was this woman I met, Joyce Tauntenhound, who lived in Texas and who had a recurrence of this vaginal cancer that spread and what she went through. And before she passed, she gave me the, she said, I want you to write this. And I sat with her and she became the heart and soul of this play. The focus is wider than it is narrower. Yes. Was this bigger than you in the sense that you knew that you had to do this, but on the other hand, did you think you could? I knew I had to do this. I had no idea that I could do this. All I knew is I had to do it. To this day, what I believe in writing or anything, when you are provoked and compelled by stories that you have to tell, that's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. It's bigger than you. Yes, because or else it becomes about pleasing someone or, or trying to make it commercial. Yeah. This was, I had to tell this story because I was so affected by Joyce and many other women who I met. 
And it ended up being this amazing experience. And ironically, Suzanne Shepard, once again, who plays Michelle Pfeiffer's mother, Mm -hmm. directed it. And she said, we're going to do something very different. You're going to sit in a chair and you're going to do the whole play from the chair. And that way, it's so theatrical in the storytelling You can play every part, and you could do it anywhere because all you need is a chair. And she was right because I did it all over the world. Wow. All I needed was a chair. One time I was at this conference in Brussels about women's health, and they didn't have a chair. chair, So I sat on a table, and it became Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. – and I did it in theaters. And one of the most amazing experiences – well, two amazing experiences with it was doing it for the New York Bar Association – And they had a panel discussion with the drug companies, Eli Lilly, Mm. who had basically produced and promoted the drug, the leading manufacturer of the drug, lawyers, DES daughters. It was intense. It was great. And I thought, this is why I'm doing this. Uh And the other uh, most amazing experience was doing it in a hospital with Arthur Herbst moderating Arthur Herbst is the doctor who discovered the link between DES and cancer for these young women. And that and seeing him in the lobby afterwards, literally describing with his hands how to do what's called a four-quadrant pap smear for DES-exposed women was the most thrilling thing because all these doctors, were medical students, were there watching the Mm -hmm. show and learning. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that became my first entrance into writing. It covers so many bases, but it also propels you now to what? Fill fill in the blank here. I knew I had to write. And the Mm -hmm. next thing I wrote was a a play that we did a workshop of at New York Theater Workshop called Ancient Lights, which was about this amazing story of these women in Bedford Hills prison. I went there many times Mm -hmm. and documented this story and then wrote it. But while I was doing that, I was still touring with my Virginia, Mm -hmm. and it connects to Mother of George. Because what happened is I was asked, along with the brilliant Anna DeVere Smith, who was doing, Mm -hmm. at the time, I believe it was, it was either Rodney King or Crown Heights, but she went to the International Association of Women Justices. Mm -hmm. I was also invited. She was doing her play, and I was asked to do My Virginia at 10 in the morning. And I thought, I am there. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget this wonderful story is being surrounded by these amazing women and in walks Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Sandra Day Uh O'Connor with T-shirts on that said the Supremes. (laughs) And I thought, okay, (laughs) that I'm here. I'm not leaving. (laughs) And it went really well. And they asked me to stay. They called my agent at the time and said, can she stay and do one more? Because they wanted other justices to see it. Because I stayed, they said, go to any symposium. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to a symposium that Jane Fonda was hosting at the time because it was in Atlanta. It's when she was with Mr. Turner. And so this is still the 90s. This is in the 90s. And it was all about women and population control. And I was sitting there, and this woman, Kizu Matashani, who is from Lesotho in Africa Mm -hmm. and also worked in Zimbabwe, said, I want to tell you a story called Mother of George. And as I listened, I thought that could be me. Mm -hmm. Because one of the effects of my DES exposure is I can't have children. And it was all about this woman 
and what she did mm-hmm. because she needed to get pregnant mm-hmm. and couldn't. Mm-hmm. And as I listened and as I listened, I was riveted. A year later, because I was working on this other project, I called her and told her that I wanted to know more. And she, we had this most amazing conversation. And I thought, I'm going to write a play about this. Mm-hmm. And she connected me to many women here. And as I began to talk to them, I thought, this is a film. And the long and short of it is, initially, Showtime was going to do this. It was greenlit for Showtime. I worked with amazing producers there and independent producers that were working with Showtime. It got very far. And then Showtime decided they're not doing any more films. They're only doing series. And it was a blessing Mm -hmm. because even though they were fantastic and I learned, I knew I wanted to do something more independent and something more truthful in a way that was not trying to please a general crowd. Yeah. And luck had it that this woman I knew, who's become a very good friend, read it from Sundance, sent it to someone she knew in Southern Africa, in South Africa, a producer, Angus Gibson, who was nominated for an Oscar for a documentary he did and had a series that was very well known in South Africa at the time, a fictional series. And Angus called me and he said, I read this. It's so truthful. I have a director for you, Andrew Dostamu. You have to meet Andrew. Mm -hmm. So Andrew and I started emailing and emailing from London, South Africa. And then I was going to China to (laughs) adopt a baby, Uh my second adoption. Uh And Andrew called when I got back and said, can I meet you? And I said, yes, but I live in Brooklyn. He said, I know Brooklyn. I said, well, I have to pick up my like three-year-old from school. I have a new baby. And he said, where does she go? And I'm like, well, it's Brooklyn. He said, I know Brooklyn. <laughs> so I tell him. And the famous story is he said to me, my son goes there. Oh, gosh. Okay. And I said, who is your son? And he said, Fella. And I said, well, my daughter's Olivia, but I only knew him as the father of Fella. Uh And he only knew me as the mother of Olivia. And you had no other connection, I mean, no other past, so to speak. No, so I thought we have to do Mother of George then. (laughs) Destined, preordained, for sure. And he became... My mentor, he's just so brilliant and daring and honest. And he led such credibility to say to me, one of the best moments I'll never forget where I learned from him is I wrote a scene between the husband and wife. And it was my heart on the page. And he said, everything that you're writing here, he would feel, but he would never say it. Uh And that was such a key. And I thought, I am your student. And he taught me. And I also learned how to write with my eyes Hmm. because Andrew is a cinematographer in the best sense as a director. He and Brad Young worked together really brilliantly. Brad is the DP on Where's Kira Mm -hmm. and also Mother Mm -hmm. George. And to him, cinema is cinema. Mm -hmm. It's visual. And so that became how I rewrote Mother of George. We got into the Sundance Lab. It took us many years to get it made because we knew we wanted to make it with Africans. We did Uh. not want, we wanted the authenticity. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. And we went all, we went to Nigeria. It also played at the United Nations. It was just this, and Sundance, and had a really great response. My takeaway from this as we're talking is, 
nothing, like, intimidates you. There's a reason behind everything, it seems, for you. Well, I'll tell you, this is another, I haven't really spoken about this. I mean, certain people know this. But when we were doing Mother of George, when we were trying to get it done right before we started filming, that to DES, I actually ended up getting cancer. (laughs) And no one really knew about it, but I was going through, I had two major surgeries. This is in 2011, 2012, something of that Mm -hmm. nature. And I would write while I was basically all stitched up. And I remember that I was rewriting one of the sex scenes, and I thought, no one would believe that I am doing this in this, like, Mm -hmm. you know, with a catheter bag. But it became my outlet once again, Mm -hmm. the creative Mm -hmm. outlet. It was bigger than you. Yes. Yes. And then I wrote a play that that I still have in my drawer that I also wrote as a film that I called An Unusual Landscape all about that. And I one day I wanted to see if I can do it, have it done, because it's like, how do you create as a woman when you're going through that? And when you're a mother? How and can you, you create? Yes, right, yes. And the need to create. With all those massive balls in the air. And yeah. how these women from Mother of George and at the time Lil's 90th, mm-hmm. which had just gotten produced, how those women were part of my healing. Mm-hmm. They would speak to me. They became my escape. They would visit me in the hospital because I would write in the hospital. They became my way to uh, to my life. So up until that point, most of your projects were personal. Yes, and even whereas Kira, it was such a personal connection to what it meant to be you know, struggling. Okay, I want to talk about that. But before we do, is it fair for me to say that film sort of replaced the other parts of the art? Yes. And theaters, I still love. I love theater. And Unusual Landscape is a play Mm -hmm. and a film. And I want to continue to write theater. But film has become definitely your major way of communicating. And I adore it. And it's something that I'm learning. I love I love being challenged. And so I always feel that it's never like, what can I, how can I make this better? Mm-hmm. What can I do? I think with film, too, there's a real sense, as I do feel as a mother, letting my girls, who are teenage, mm-hmm. teenagers, the ones 20, just turned 20, letting them out in the world. It's the same thing with a script, because in film in particular, it really becomes Andrew's when I write it. The director takes over. Mm-hmm. And you two have formed this amazing, partnership. Amazing it, relationship where he he will say to me, we don't need that scene. And I'll say, no, we need that scene. Or I know he doesn't like dialogue. So a lot of scenes I write that are just visual. Another director would be another story. So talk about where is Kira and was this also a natural act for you to write the screenplay. Give us the genesis for people who don't know what the film is about. Yeah. So Andrew and I knew we wanted to work together again. And we were approached by several companies or people that were interested individually and together. But we wanted to do something that was our own, not under the auspices of anything. No adaptation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we decided... Because it was right after the when Detroit went bankrupt, it was just like a, 
a really tough time. And I knew so many people that were laid off mm-hmm. of work. 2008-ish. Well, this was 2013, but the effects, effects of, of it. that. Yeah, the recession. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And so I knew we wanted to do something about that. Andrew was also very interested in the invisibility of the elderly and how we don't pay attention. They become sometimes a nuisance. Mm-hmm. And why? And one thing that I shared and really honored when we were in Nigeria is the respect for elders mm. and the respect for age and the difference in, in here. And You can almost make a generalization. It's everywhere else but here. It's real. It's amazing. It's amazing. The, it was like you bow before an elder. <laughs> I tried to get my daughters to do that. They were, had no part of it. But um, There's but, still time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in any case, I we knew we wanted to do something about all of that. And in particular for me, women that were let go, displaced from their job, that were outsized by younger women. Like, what do you do? When and, you're so marginalized yes. and invisible. Yes. And the story just grew and grew, and we would meet and talk and meet and talk. And then finally, I was like, I have to, I'm going to write it. And went through many different drafts. And then finally, it was like, we, Andrew said, I think we have some, I think we have something. I mean, I wrote it, but we shared the story together. Mm-hmm. And then he sent it to his agent at CAA, and CAA responded almost immediately. And it was the holidays. It was like December. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I knew is Andrew was meeting with Michelle Pfeiffer. And how did that happen? Because they represent Michelle, Uh and she had seen Mother of George and really liked it. Uh And they sent her the script. And she has been a bit quiet, right, in in the recent past. And once she got on board, which I was stunned, Mm. but it was also brilliant because Andrew always wanted to have someone play Kira that you would not expect. And Michelle, I would say, is someone that you would not expect to play this part. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. And then we were graced with Kiefer Uh Sutherland. And it happened, like, a year later we were shooting, which is so unlike Mother of George, which took so many years. A saga in and of itself. My my daughters used to call it great-grandmother of George because it (laughs) took so many years, Uh you know, and— and it it was amazing. It was difficult. We only had 18 days to shoot. And I don't say this lightly. Michelle Pfeiffer was amazing. Yeah. I mean, a trooper. I mean, so giving. And you see it in her work. I mean, it is raw. It is, you know, I just think she's brilliant. She got into the trenches. And I wanted to support her every every single day, mm-hmm. was there every single day, to knowing that we were challenged by the time. Mm-hmm. and The time constraint. The time constraint. Uh-huh. And what also to serve Andrew, mm-hmm. to serve what he needed. And he's such an unusual director because he will take his time. He's on his own clock. Mm-hmm. And he will see something and it'll be, oh, let's shoot it that way. And he's very, very visual, which is... Unlike many directors when you're on a time clock and mm-hmm. everything is very fast, mm-hmm. he's very slow. How would you describe the screenwriting experience for you? It is fabulous in the sense that my mind will just go into, uh, like, there's there's something in it that I find that when I write a screenplay, it's really writing with all my senses. So it's a natural act. Yeah. 
and I'm learning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's hard because like I'm working on a new project now. Film two new or film? Mm-hmm. It's with an amazing company called Macro. They did Fences and they did Mudbound. And this is a story. Actually, I was sent to Kenya last year for this story. Uh-huh. Oh, so I'm about to launch into the second draft. It's a brilliant story. Something very, very you know that I fell in love with. And it's different because with Andrew, I know that he is very sparse. He likes sparseness mm-hmm. in the dialogue. With this one, um, and it's more dialogue and more, it's just, it's visual, but it's a different side of me. Right. So there's a flexibility that you have to have. Yes. In, that it's just, yes. it's not formulaic, obviously. No. And I know? would never write like that. Yeah. And who could write like yeah. that? You know. Exactly. Exactly. This is not a textbook. Exactly. But to me, Sandy, honestly, it's like what matters to me may not matter to everyone. But I think that if you go with your heart and gut, and I tell this to my students all the time, like, do what you question. Do Mm -hmm. what keeps you up at night. Mm -hmm. Do what, you know, fills you with something. Because then, no matter what happens, whatever the response is, whether it even gets made, you know that you're doing something that has importance to you. Well, also, it sounds that it's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. It's come to you. And what is it that you're going to do with it? Yes. And it also sounds like even if it does speak to you, there are a lot of risks involved, too. I bet you there were definitely times you felt like you took your clothes off, you know, oh. and they're standing there, you know. Completely. So vulnerable. Completely. And- naked, 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 naked. You know, not only in just the expression of you know, moments with Kira that I, that, you know, sitting there at my desk, tears rolling, mm. but, but also the nakedness of any time you create, you're out there for people to judge the you're creation. You're so exposed. You're sh- so exposed. But you're also saying, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's what we're here for. Everyone's not going to love it. Everyone's not, that's not the point of it. The point is, does it speak to you? Does it stir something in it? In you, does it make you question something that perhaps you didn't question before or question it in a different way? That's all we can do. The tie that binds these 300 plus women who I have had the joy and pleasure of meeting is this sense not that it's been for you know a walk in the park or whatever. I want to use another phrase other than strong sense of self, but it's whether you're Parents were supportive of you and and praised you or your you know, or your teachers or your friends. What the hell, man? I mean, it's just it is it is just this je ne sais quoi. I don't yes. know what it is, but it is it is there and it is amazing. And you know what? It's bigger than you. The fact that you have interviewed three hundred women. I mean, that's astounding and that's incredible. While they may not be household names, they knew what they had to do. The drive may not have been so yes. intense for everything. There may have been failure years, whatever, but you knew what you had to do. And it also sounds like you got much more to do. You know, there's so many stories that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. um, And that's what's great. I mean, what I love is that I feel every time I start writing, I go into a different world. Yeah. So it's like I'm traveling within the, you know, within myself. Of course. Personally, psychologically, emotionally, but also sometimes a different world. I was just thinking about that, too, that your personal, even with Where is Kira, obviously, Mm -hmm. but the personal of your own story. I mean, what you have forged. Yeah, I'm deifying you. 
Marcy, I, <laughs> no, I think that's what I'm doing you. here. You know, but I think you can appreciate where I'm going with that. Yeah, and it's also, you know, to me, one of the big joys I have, in addition to having two fabulous daughters. Mm-hmm, and how lucky they are. And how lucky I am. <laughs> they are amazing. Mm-hmm. And a great husband. Is that it's something that I really feel with teaching that I'm, I learn so much because I teach Shakespeare and so and classical work within Shakespeare acting Mm -hmm. and listening to that language working with amazing people I'm an adjunct at NYU so I go they're great I go in once a week Mm -hmm. because I write every other day Mm -hmm. but having that and working I've been teaching for 20 years and I have lots of private students right you're not going to give it up I'm not giving it up. Mm-hmm. No matter when, uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, I just want to write one more line of this scene, <laughs> but I have to get on the train. But I won't give it up because I'm fed mm-hmm. and I'm learning and they challenge me to to really look at things sometimes differently. So I really feel that that has nourished mm. what I do. Well, maybe that's a great way to end. Uh, this was just so easy and fascinating and you're empowering. Thank you so much. Oh, please. Totally my pleasure. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Everybody.